0: and paint supply.
1: Welcome to the painter marketing mastermind podcast, the show created to help painting company owners build a thriving painting business that does well over 1 million in annual revenue. I'm your host, Brandon Pierpont, founder of Painter Marketing Pros and creator of the popular PCA educational series, Learn, Do, Grow, Marketing for Painters. In each episode, I'll be sharing proven tips, strategies, and processes from leading experts in the industry on how they found success in their painting business. We will be interviewing owners of the most successful painting companies in North America and learning from their experiences. In this series, titled Ignite Your Passion, Michael Chaney of No Drip Painting will be discussing her journey from part-time hustle to over $2 million painting company, the amazing opportunities she sees for other entrepreneurs to succeed in the painting industry, and the powerful purpose she has developed while scaling No Drip Painting. In this episode, episode one, Michael will be discussing why she got into the painting industry, what her initial journey looked like as a side hustle. In episode two, Michael will lay out the roadmap of how she initially surpassed $1 million in annual revenue. In episode three, Michael will dive into the path to $2 million in annual revenue and how that is entirely different from the first million. In episode four, Michael unveils her powerful why and the intense purpose she has found since launching No Drip Painting. And in episode five, the final episode, Michael will lay out the very exciting opportunities she sees in the painting industry today that other entrepreneurs should be capitalizing on. If you want to ask Michael questions related to anything in this podcast series, you can do so in our exclusive Painter Marketing Mastermind podcast form on Facebook. Just search for Painter Marketing Mastermind podcast form on Facebook and request to join the group or type in the URL facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Painter Mastermind. Again, that URL is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Painter Mastermind. There you can ask Michael questions directly by tagging her with your question so you can see how anything discussed here applies to your particular painting company. Michael, what's going on?
2: You're a pro. You're a pro, Brandon.
1: It is not what you have. <laughs> as we were talking about before the launch, you have the, the Beyonce countdown. It got me super pumped up. I have the, uh, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just kind of read something for like 45 seconds. You go ahead and take a nap and then we'll launch.
2: You know what? One of the Hard lessons I've learned being an entrepreneur is that you shouldn't compare yourself to others, right? Um, so I think you're nailing it with just the way you do it. I need the Beyonce, uh, you know, spark in there to get me going.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. It definitely got me going, Michael. I'm so excited we're doing this series together. I'm just gonna, you know, one of the things I try to do on the podcast is be very transparent. Uh, I've been continuing to run it how I started it, even though the uh you know we've kind of been doing it for some time now you and i were set to book we were set to shoot just one episode today yeah. and then we we kind of met and we started talking about it and we realized that would be a mistake because you have a lot to share uh so I, w- I would love to just start with your background kind of who you are a lot of people know you from the podcast i'd love to hear about your podcast everything you're doing today just to get just to kind of get our bearings
2: yeah right on so uh i'm the owner of no Drift painting which over the years, has become, uh, you know, a real source of passion for me because I think we're doing some amazing things in the industry. I think we're doing some really cool things for our team and for our clients. Um, and then, you know, from that opportunity, I got some other things coming my way. I do the uh, podcast for Women in Paint, which is a new group to the PCA. Uh, it's absolutely amazing it is uh founded you know to get women inspired and motivated about this industry and let women specifically know all the amazing things that you can do under the name of paint as you know we had our first ever women in paint event in nashville just this last year and it was quite amazing to see everyone come together so uh fortunately i'm I'm involved in women in paint in a big way and i get to do the podcast other than that uh you know i kind of eat breathe live my business right now i know i know they say you're supposed to have some sort of balance uh but i'm kind of a believer of when you really love something you just do it and you dive all in and that's kind of what i've been doing for the last five or six years
1: i love it so i like alex ramosi a lot i think i bring him up a lot eventually i'm going to ask him for some kind of payment but he <laughs> runs the the podcast uh the game you yeah know, he, he founded a gym launch and it's a very successful entrepreneur but he he would be what many people would define as a workaholic, works all the time, but he says he enjoys it. So who is right. someone else to judge him for, you know, that he should be doing X, Y, or Z if this is actually the stuff that he enjoys. So I think it, it all comes down to what you want to do.
2: That's right. I'm I'm right there with you.
1: Yeah. So the, the women at paint conference was amazing. I snuck in. Nigel said, I can't come, but I did because the, uh, the commercial paint was great too. I just, I wanted to go to them both. They were next side by side. And I listened to you speak. Michael, one of the things that really surprised me a lot was number one, you had one slide, it was an interest, kind of an intro slide. And then you, you spoke for about 40 minutes without changing slides, which I found very impressive because I tend to have about a thousand slides for every presentation I give. So I thought that was really, really impressive. And then the other thing that was surprising and very impressive was that you said you, you suffer from, uh, public speaking anxiety. How did you define that exactly? Yeah,
2: wow. I call it an extreme case of social anxiety. And it really showed up when I was young. And it's it's a real thing, basically speaking in front of people, even when I was young, going into a restaurant and ordering, there was just something extremely uncomfortable about that. And I kind of created a life for myself where I didn't have to do much of that as a matter of fact. Uh, So when I was young, I often tell the story of, you know, if you, if you remember being in like English class or reading class and the teacher would make everyone in the class read, right? So you knew, you know, you were after your neighbor and when those times would, would pop up, I would do everything I possibly could to get out of the class, right? If I needed to go to the bathroom, whatever it was, I was going to try and get out of that class. And if I could not get out of it, then I would look ahead I would try to predict where I would be reading, and I would do my best to memorize as much as I possibly could, make sure that, uh, you know, I could say all the words and all that. And it, it was a real fear. And, and, and honestly, Brandon, as, as I've grown up, I think it, in some capacity, it trails back to the fear of, of judgment, which, you know, is a tough thing for many of us. I have just realized that that fear had, had shown up in this social anxiety way. Uh, My mom still to this day will joke with me and say, you know, my best friend, Lori, had to go to the concession stand and get my Coke when I was young. It's funny now, but it wasn't funny then. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's a real thing. And what happens to me often is I literally can't breathe. I know it sounds crazy, but I will get on stage. and, And let me say that this business has forced me out of this comfort zone. I've also, you know, been a varsity basketball coach and things like that, that have forced me to have to be in front of people, have to talk, but I've taken it on as a challenge. And really one reason I've done that is because the love that I have for this business and, and what we're doing in the industry and you know, other opportunities that I wanna pursue require me to be able to get in front of people and talk. But I have this issue where I literally can't breathe. And what I've had to do over the years is learn how to breathe. And I've had to, you know, I've taken, medit- I have a meditation teacher that I see the to with my breathing. I've done other things in life to force me into the most uncomfortable situations, like cold plunges, like scuba diving, all with the purpose of teaching me how to breathe so that I can overcome this social anxiety.
1: Man, that's intense. Yeah, the the cold plunges will definitely definitely force you to focus on the breathing.
2: Yeah, you know, I'll tell you just real quick about cold plunges because I know they're they're kind of a a fad now is what I'll call it. They're popular. Everyone's doing it on Instagram, but here's what cold plunges have done for me. The moment I get into a cold plunge and I'm usually talking about 20 degrees or below the moment I get in there, what I've discovered is all my negative self-talk comes to the surface. It's kind of crazy, right? So I will make a goal of myself. Actually what I did in December, I said for the month of December, I'm going to do 31 cold plunges I'm not going to miss a day. And I just kind of created this challenge for myself. And the moment I started getting into the water, I would start to renegotiate that agreement that I made with myself. And I would say, why are you doing this? This is so dumb. You don't need to even be doing this. And long story short, this negative self-talk and this process of trying to renegotiate with myself really opened my eyes to other areas of my life that I was doing that. So I have been strategically using these cold plunges to create some mental strength for myself. And I think it's helping. And I think it shows up in different parts of my life. And I'm kind of on this mission of seeking things that put me out of my comfort zone so that I can get more tries at bat so I can get better at all this crazy stuff.
1: Yeah, it's incredible. You're forcing yourself to confront limiting factors. So that you can grow your business and and grow in other ways that are not directly necessarily related to what you're actually doing but it's enabling you to grow in these areas that you want to grow in
2: that is exactly right and scuba diving has done the exact same thing for me uh, because as good of an athlete as i've always been i've never been a good swimmer and uh when i get in that water i essentially have a mini panic attack and what I learned about scuba diving is it's a mental sport. So you know, going you know uh, sixty feet under, which is what I'm uh, certified to do, it, it's it's been a real challenge uh, and forced me to learn how to breathe and control my thoughts in a situation that is very dangerous. If you don't learn how to control your thoughts and and you know breathe in the way that you need to breathe to to complete the, the
1: dive. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I was, uh, I was scuba diving when I was, I think I was a kid. I think we were somewhere around 60 feet yeah. and I ran out of oxygen because I wasn't paying attention as I should have. Okay. So yes. I literally was sucking in and then there was no more, but that's why you have the buddy system. And so that's I was right. very fortunate that we were following that and that I was near my dad and I was able to get, you know, the, the auxiliary, um, in inhalation, whatever you call it, inhaler. Yes. I was able to pop that in, but yeah. It, well,
2: it's you just gave work. me you just gave me anxiety. Thinking make sure you're checking. Though. Yeah, make sure you're yeah, checking.
1: That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's great. The uh, yeah, the cold plunges too, man. I love those. My my wife, Ariel, who you know, bought me, uh, this book called "What Doesn't Kill Us" by Scott Carney, and he he was this uh, journalist, maybe still is. I don't know. I don't follow him, but he he went around and he would basically disproved gurus so these guys out in arizona you know all these random gurus who, who preach all this stuff he would basically go out try their program and then kind of crap talk them i guess you know basically disprove it in his his view so he went out and he tried a guy named wim hoff who i think was mm-hmm. one of the the kind of leaders in, in, in making this fad currently popular uh my wife bought me the book i read it made it made it through the first half of the intro so i hadn't gotten to chapter one asked her if she would be willing to do this. So he was offering a program in Poland. She said, yes. We didn't have a ton of money at that time. She said, yes. I went on a book, like a $3,000 trip before I got to chapter one. Because she said yes, and she was going to say no. You know, if we sat down and gave it any reasonable thought, the answer, would it didn't make sense. It was expensive. We didn't really have the time. It, It was a totally ludicrous thing to do. But I knew that. So I went and I booked it before we could think about it. I was like, I really hope I like this book, and I did. And it was a life-changing experience. But sometimes you have to, you have to be sort of in, impu- You can't do everything rational. For you, it's it's kind yeah. of irrational to run a podcast when you have extreme sure. social anxiety. It's kind of irrational to go do a scuba diving as a regular activity when it's supposed to be enjoyable and it, it presents you with a ton of anxiety. You have to do irrational things sometimes to break limits.
2: I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that totally.
1: Yeah, and for people listening, it doesn't have to be social anxiety. It can be anything, but just find your anything. weakness
2: and attack it. Yeah, absolutely. And and like I said, I mean, I think uh, you know, I've I've put myself in situations to recreate that anxiety, but I really think that the thread of the social anxiety when I was young, I, I think it, it trails back to the fear of judgment, you know, which I think is something that many of us can relate to uh, you know, if, if we really think about it.
1: Yeah. 100%. There's a, another book that that I recommend people read called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. There's someone who, uh, I don't remember the author, but worked in a, a hospice. And it was people who were going to mm-hmm. pass away and then collected all this data from spending all this time with these people of their top five regrets. And then number one was not taking enough risk because they feared what other people would think about them. Right. But yeah, right. we, a huge phobia of what other people think about us.
2: Yeah, and I think when you're an entrepreneur, being a business owner like that forces you to face some of these things, right? Um, Because, you know, my experience is that that judgment can paralyze you and keep you from making decisions or even sharing things with people that are close to you because you're ultimately afraid of that judgment. And so, you know, one of the, The things that I've been working on is shedding that fear, getting rid of that so that I'm not putting my own lid on my potential based on what I think other people might say or think. Right. When you say it out loud, it sounds so crazy to even be afraid of that.
1: It does. And the important part of what you said too, there was what you think they think. So often we think, we project our own beliefs or our own insecurities on other people. We walk in and we think, if you feel a little like like you look silly, like oh, everyone thinks I look silly. Probably no one's yeah. thinking that, but you're thinking it and you're projecting it.
2: Yeah, no, because you know what people are actually thinking about, Brandon? They're thinking about themselves, and they're yeah. thinking, oh my gosh, I hope no one else is judging me, right? Yeah, it's they're it's, not worried. It's, about it's like really, everyone is just thinking about themselves, and we're all worried if if someone else is judging us. And if you remember that. You might you might just say you know what forget it I'm not going to care what anyone else thinks.
1: Yeah, that's really really powerful. All right, so let's get into the meat and potatoes here. Your start in the painting industry, how'd it go?
2: Yeah, so I did not have a father that had a painting business. Uh, you know, I had no real ambitions of being a painter. As a matter of fact, I often say that my mom kind of got me in the business. Uh, now I don't know if she would agree with that, but what, what took place is that I grew up with a single mom and we were always doing things in the house. The thing that my mom did and instilled in me was how important your space is. You know, we had some tough times when I was young, but she created a space that I was really proud of and I felt safe in. And she did a lot of that with things like paint and wallpaper and making throw pillows and window treatment. She was a great sewer. She was uh, she had a sewing machine, and she could literally sew anything together. And so, really, I got my start in painting in in our house. And uh, years later, when I was looking for a side hustle, I was in a completely different industry. I was a personal finance blog blogger. No one probably knows what that is. Really, you were a
1: personal finance blogger.
2: Personal finance blogger. I know it sounds crazy. I uh, wrote articles for like U.S. News, Yahoo Finance, some pretty big online pu- you know publications. That's awesome
1: feel like we're kind of just glazing over that. That's a pretty cool thing.
2: Yeah. Some of the top blogs out there, like dough roller. And I was always writing about folks having a side hustle. So at this time I was like, you know, I need a side hustle. I need a second stream of income. And I had a, a, you know, my daughter at that time was young and I really needed to be able to pay for soccer and all the things that you have to do. And so I said, you know what? I I paid a lot when I was young, I'm going to, reach out to some real estate investors I know and see if they need any painting. Well, lo and behold, they did. So I started painting these rental units. I quickly found out I didn't really know how to paint a little different painting for someone than it is your mom. right? But <laughs> I started you know, painting in these rental units and then I got so busy, I, I brought on someone to help me who really knew how to paint, kind of taught me how to paint. But that was really my start. And uh, you know, years later, of course, it's morphed into something else. Eventually, I fell in love with business and strategy and decided to give it a try through through painting to see if I could do something. Um, but I will tell you, you know, one thing I did early on that I often think about when I kind of started to get busy and I was able to keep me and one other person busy, I would often say to myself. I don't really want to have a big company. I just want to have a little business and and I'll be the painter and maybe I'll always have a helper and that was totally fine with me. And what I realized later on after I discovered there was more potential and there was more there were there were more there was more that I personally could do under the name of paint. I realized that that was actually me dimming my own light. That was me putting the lid on what was possible. And I say that because I often hear people say exactly what I used to tell myself, which is, I don't want a big painting business, I don't want this, I don't want that. And some of that might be true, but the invitation that I would put out there is, really examine what you say and why you're saying it. At the time, I think I was just saying it out of not knowing what was possible and probably out of a little bit of fear. And when I could eliminate some of those thoughts and, and some of the things I would say to myself, that's when really I discovered there was a different meaning behind all of the painting that I was doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the short is that I took it on as is a little side hustle just to make some extra money. And, you know, it's morphed into something much greater than I could have anticipated at that time.
1: And that's cool. So those points are so good to, so the, idea that you you might be unintentionally sabotaging or limiting yourself saying you want one thing and and you might want that thing so that we're not saying you know as you said yeah i want that thing some people want hey i don't want the the headache of running a multi-million dollar company i want profitability just really focus on that i enjoy the painting i enjoy the craft of it that might be fine it might be what you want Mm -hmm. but make sure it's actually what you want and why you want it that it's not just because you or doubting yourself or being your own worst skeptic.
2: That's right. And you know what I have found from my own experience and really from talking to others is I think it really starts for all of us to figure out what we want just in life. What do we want our life to look like? Right. And I found that I didn't know the answer to that for, for a long time, you know, in, in, in all my years, I did not really have an answer to that. And I think for most people that is a question that we don't have clear a clear understanding of and i would encourage people to spend time figuring that out i don't think it's something that just pops in your mind and you know the answer i think you really have to feel into it you have to lean into it you have to do some work around who you are and what kind of life you want to live and then i think you get the opportunity to figure out how to create that life and for me that's this business.
1: So let's dive into that for a second. I think a lot of people don't know what they're, it's basically the per their why right in their life. That's a tough thing. I think very few people actually know yes. that. How, how do you go about finding that?
2: So I'll tell you what, that's something I've struggled with my whole life when I was younger and I was in college and even after college, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And that created a lot of, um, anxiety, a lot of, uh, self doubt, it created an unclear path for me. And it, it was a very difficult time in my life, because I just didn't know what direction to go. So I, I at one point hired, um, like a career advisor and, and, you know, folks, you know, even a counselor at school, you know, I was looking for anything and everything to help me figure out what it is I wanted. Now, when I was younger, my, uh, you know, perception on life was a lot different than now that I'm in my mid forties. Um, but I think there's two pieces of this. There's what do you want your life to look like? And then there's the why and the things in life that create a spark for you. You know, we call it our passion, right? And, and I think that you end up discovering what your passion is And you end up discovering what what fuels your fire in life. I think when you, like I did when I was young and I was so trying to come up with the answer through a career or, you know, through, you know, whatever it was, I couldn't find the answer. It was years later when I decided, you know what, I'm going to just work hard. I'm going to expose myself to different opportunities my passion ended up finding me and now that i and i think i'm lucky because i'm i'm you know so into what i'm doing i mean it's true you can wake up every day and be excited about what you're doing that that is a real way to live your life but that wasn't always the case right so i feel very lucky and fortunate that i am where i am now and i've only scratched the surface with it but you know uh, what I, I guess what i would The advice I would give to my younger self, why don't we say that, is to be patient, take care of yourself, right? I think when you pour into yourself and you understand what taking care of yourself means and looks like, it gives you the power and the resources and the drive to help others around you, but you can't do it until you take care of yourself first. And that is where I would tell anyone to start. Take really, really good care of yourself. Be open to trying new things. Uh, but I think when you figure out how to align yourself with, you know, you could call it anything, God, the universe, some spiritual being, I think that's where some of the magic happens. And that's when you get to discover this deeper piece that, that lies within you. And I know I'm getting a little woo woo here, but I'm for me... It you're about it. It, it has to do with something deeper that's within you. And the challenge is how do you align with that? So you can start to understand your path.
1: Yeah. How, how would you define, take care of yourself? How would someone do that?
2: So I have learned some hard lessons in this exact thing over the last couple of years. And let's just, take the word self-care and put it to the side because it's not about what we often think, which is massages and, and things like that. Although that might be part of it. Here's what here's, I was forced to learn how to take care of myself because about two and a half, three years ago, I suffered from chronic back pain and still doing some capacities. I do have some torn discs and, and, and things in my back from probably all the years of playing sports, but I was literally, and I'm gonna say suffering from this back pain and it started to shoot up through my neck. I was miserable. I mean, I was probably 40 pounds overweight. um, And I was at this breaking point. And the question that I was asking myself was, do I still want this business? Okay. And so I hired a coach, an amazing coach. She calls herself a, a transformational business coach. And I hired her specifically to help me answer the question. But what I discovered over working with her for a year and a half is that it really wasn't about if I wanted this business, it was about how, how this business was impacting my life and my health. So it wasn't necessarily do I want the business, it was how do I take care of myself So the business can flourish in the way that I really think that it could. And so that was the start of me learning about how to take care of myself and and what that looks like today. I talked about scuba diving, uh, even though scuba diving started as me addressing a fear and trying to recreate this anxiety so that I could get better at certain aspects of my life, it actually turned into a passion. And now I absolutely love scuba diving. And I spent a total of 12 weeks in Mexico last year, not all consecutively, my longest stint was six weeks, but I spent 12 entire weeks scuba diving in Mexico. And that is something I never thought I'd be able to do in my life, right? To think that I could step away for 12 entire weeks. Um, And the only reason I could do that is because I learned what taking care of myself was. Some of that travel is, you know, I, I travel by myself. That is me taking care of myself. That's tuning out the noise. That's me getting alone time with me, with myself. Um, I have a meditation teacher in Mexico that I would see. She spent 20 years in a Buddhist monastery. And she went in there when she was 25 and now that she decided to take another path in life, she's a meditation teacher. So I got to literally work with like the ninja of meditation and that to me is me taking care of myself. I have a business coach, right? Um, I, you know, now my days, I, I work out with a trainer three days a week at five in the morning. and. That is me taking care of myself, right? So it's a lot of different things. The cold plunges, you could throw it in that category. And I don't always do it perfectly, but I understand that there's a way that I have to care for myself uh, so that I can show up for the people in my life, for the, my business, and all of those things. So it's unique to each person, right? I, I'll tell you another thing, and I would throw this into me taking care of myself this year is I have a, uh, a Spanish tutor. You know, 90% of my team is not bilingual. You know, um, I love my Spanish speakers. I love, uh, you know, all the different cultures that come with my Spanish speakers. Uh, spend a lot of time in Mexico, as I just told you, Costa Rica, all the places. And I'm okay at Spanish, but this year is my year to fully dedicate myself. And so that is me taking care of myself. It's been one of the items on my bucket list that I want to accomplish. And when I get to check that off at the end of the year, and I get to say, you know what, I am now fluent in Spanish, that is taking care of me. That is a confidence booster. It enhances my skill set. It allows me to connect more with my team. Um, I don't want to get too off track here, Brandon. But you opened you opened up this can. Um, <laughs> But so it's like it looks different for each person, but these are things, these are ways in which I take care of myself.
1: This is gonna be a fun series, Michael. (laughs) Yeah, we we talked about so I was fortunate enough to be on your Women in Paint podcast. How many men have you had on it at this point?
2: I think only three.
1: Okay. I was the first.
2: You were the first. And I mean, no one's ever gonna be able to take that. They can't take you. it away. You they might the come
1: on multiple times. They might do a better <laughs> job, but I was the first.
2: That's right. That's yeah, right.
1: I very much enjoyed it. So we've already had the, the podcast experience together. You run a podcast. So when we decided to do this series, uh, basically 30 minutes ago, we knew <laughs> that it would go well. right? But we talked about how, how sometimes if, if you go with with another guest who maybe isn't as experienced in conducting podcasts, you might not want to conduct a series with that guest until you right. edit it. Cause it might be kind of difficult. You are going to make this an awesome series. I don't know. You're going to be
2: like, listen, Michael, we got, we got a stopping point. You're
1: no, like, I-, I-, I, I love it. it all. This is okay. what we do. This is the name of the game. It's always, Hey, we have, we have an agenda. We'll make sure we hit the items on that agenda, but I'm always looking to deviate. That's the name of the game is where we're I love going. it. So the, you gave me just so much stuff.
2: So, okay, the, let's the,
1: do it. And and again, a lot of times my focus is, okay, these ideas, the, these really profound um concepts, how do we make them real, right for other people? Yeah. How can they actually implement these things? So when we talk about uh, a business coach, a meditation coach, so it seems like I'm yeah. I'm going to quickly drop a nugget here uh, to summarize something you do. You you consistently push yourself to learn new things. So entrepreneurs, right. business owners, you should be doing that. You're learning scuba diving, you're learning Spanish, you're learning meditation, you're learning all these different things. Push yourself out of your comfort zone and continue to continue the self growth. But for someone who wants a business coach, who wants maybe a meditation coach, maybe a different kind of coach, how do you go about finding good mentors?
2: Yeah. So there, there's something that I've kind of really zoned in on, and and I kind of just start started to call this like my my resources. I want to think of me as being resourced, and what I mean by that, who are my resources? They're kind of like almost an accentuation of my family. So it's like my trainer, right? My trainer, who's also an entrepreneur, I work directly with him and I wanted to work with him because he's an entrepreneur and he gets it. He has an amazing gym here in Columbus, Ohio. I wanted him. I found him on Instagram and I said, he's the one that I want. I followed him. I I admire uh, what he says and who he is. And so I found him on Instagram and I I said, you know, I don't care how much it costs. You're, you're my guy. I respect what you do. You tell me what it costs and I'll figure out how to pay it. And, and I do, and I pay him more than I've ever paid any trainer ever, but he's absolutely worth it. So I found him on Instagram, but I have this idea that I want to be resourced. So my trainer is a resource for me, my meditation teacher in Mexico, who I actually found through another coach who recommended. So it's always great to check with folks that you know, for recommendations, right? Um, I think of even just my physician here in Columbus, as part of my team, right? This is the, the team that takes care of Michael. And there was a time I'm kind of embarrassed to say, but I didn't really keep up with my medical stuff, right? I didn't really get blood work done on a regular basis. And, you know, as you get older, obviously, those things become more important. But even my physicians here, that's part of, of my team. Um, I, I, I've had multiple different business coaches, and most of them have come from referrals from other people. I think that, you know, if, if you can reach out to friends, and, you know, especially if you're looking for a therapist, you know, I think, uh, you know, therapy, I think, has become more popular, because probably even because of COVID and the mental health crisis that we're really in and, and how mental health isn't as taboo as it used to be. But I always tell folks, start with your friends. If they've had a good experience with a therapist, go that route. Um, other people that I would consider now part of my resource, really, are some of the ladies I met through Women in Paint. I mean, being a business owner is lonely. It can be, uh, it can really feel like a solo journey. I know it has for me. And now that I've kind of opened myself up to some of these connections, I've made some, um, you know, great friends who I could call if I need help. And, uh, you know, they're part of my team. I consider them part of my team. So, you know, the first thing I would say is check with your your friends, check with people that you know and you trust. Give it a shot on uh, social media. I mean, that's the great thing about social media. If you use it in the right way, it can be a powerful tool for you Uh, I found a business coach. I'll tell you a quick story about my business coach. She's absolutely amazing. I've worked with her off and on. She is an entrepreneur. She calls herself a location independent entrepreneur. She travels the entire world. Uh, I think she's in Thailand right now. And she does all of her business coaching via Zoom. And she has helped me tremendously. One of the things that she has helped me with is that I see the life that she lives. Uh, now, I don't really have the desire to travel the world all the time, right? I like my space and, and uh, you know, my mom taught me how important space is. So I want to have that nice space for myself. But even being exposed to someone like her, who has created this great life for herself that involves travel and being an entrepreneur and, and conducting her business in the way that she does that alone having that interaction has expanded what I have discovered as possible for myself. Right. And I found her on Instagram. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, those, those are two ways to find folks. And, and I think it's important to like, you know, hear stories, like we're talking about this now, Brandon, like just hearing this and knowing that this is what people do. And, you know, I've, I've got this team that I, it's, it's Michael's team that helps me, you know thrive and survive even at times just knowing that that that's how some folks operate might be enough to you know turn the light bulb on in your own mind and get you to think about what your own team looks like
1: yeah and there are concepts that are transferable so there, there's this idea of abundance versus scarcity mindset with your yeah. business you know and a lot of painters suffer from the scarcity mindset hey there are competitors i can't share secrets i never want to way with them right? Because your way of painting is so much better than their way of painting. God forbid you ever talk to them, right? But the having an abundance mindset in that instance would be collaboration. There's room for all, you know, we all grow together, but you can also have an abundance mindset with just opportunities and personal growth. And when you start to think that way, you start to look for, Hey, who, who do I maybe want to emulate? Who do I look up to? Who Mm -hmm. the PCA, for example, a lot of really successful business owners, maybe I should go to the PCA expo you know, every year and, and go network with people. Maybe I should go to some local networking events. Networking doesn't have to be this dirty word like you go because you're trying to get something out of people. Maybe you go because you're trying to learn, meet interesting people, kind of interesting people know interesting people. And over time, you end up with a with a really cool network of, as you're saying, sort of resources for you uh, of people that you can be a resource to and they can be a resource toward you uh, and just kind of expanding your own bubble, if you will.
2: That's exactly right. And when when I think about anything that has to do with success and what that means to me, we really don't have to reinvent the wheel, right? Like, the reason I am trying cold plunges is because all so many successful people I follow are doing it. And they're singing its praises, right? I didn't I didn't have to make that up. I'm like, well, hey, if it works, for them, let, let me try it. And I think that that's, that's, yeah, like, just just find people that you admire that have probably similar values to you you know a character that that uh, you know aligns with who you are and do what they do you're going to put your own spin your own flair on it anyway but the the blueprint has already been laid for us and try different things see what works for you
1: yeah and so the the other thing that I've learned and it was actually through the cold plunges, it was through the, the Wim Hof retreat. So I went to Poland and then I did it again in Iceland. And that was that was the nice. supposedly the advanced one. It was basically just a repeat. And when I showed up I had a similar reaction to to you in December, the first cold experience I was like, why the heck did you do you're an idiot. Like right. why did you show <laughs> up to this thing again? Didn't you learn your lesson the first time? But the right. uh but the people that I met in Poland. So I met I think I don't know how you quantify this, but I think it was the third most respected Researcher in the world on water conservation. And I met just all these crazy, I met this high up Israeli military guy. I met just the craziest people from 19 different countries. And there were only about 25 people there because interesting people do interesting things. And then when I went to Iceland, I met a an entrepreneur who's now a mentor of mine who's, I don't know what he's worth, but he's I think it's well north of a hundred million. He's friends with Emmanuel Macron, you know, who's the president of France and And I went out and I I studied under him and took mentorship. I met all these insane entrepreneurs because it happened. There were just two big groups of entrepreneurs that went, but I didn't meet a boring person because I did a crazy thing. If you do crazy things, you do neat things, you meet neat people.
2: Well, Brandon, I'm coming down to Florida. I'm going to
1: hang out with you. Let's do it. Well, I'm not that neat, but (laughs) I'll definitely (laughs) want to hang out. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully I'll become neat one day, you know, hang out with enough people.
2: You sound pretty neat to me. Sound pretty neat to me. I appreciate you.
1: Uh, all right, I have another another big question, and this is something I've personally struggled with. So I'm really interested in your answer here. We talked about you were you were grinding in the business. Business is a grind. It's it, yeah. it just is. You know, it kind of sucks in the beginning a lot of times. So you were yes. grinding. You're overweight. You found a lot of uh, some health issues, back pain, things like this. You got a a business coach, and you started to understand the importance of self care. But I know at at some points early on in the journey, it kind of seems like self care is maybe a luxury that you don't have, right? Cause you, you just kind of sure. have to, there's just so much to be done. You just sort of have to grind it out. How do you differentiate between, Hey, I just have to grind it out. It, you just have to go through this ring of fire versus, okay, now I'm not being smart and I need to back up because I'll actually go a lot farther if I start taking care of myself.
2: Yeah. So let's first just say that as you progress in life uh, and part of this has to do financially, the things you can do for yourself look different right there i there four or five years ago i could never go to mexico like i like i have done so let's just acknowledge that when you are financially more secure you do have some different options but self care can look like spending 5 minutes in silence in your chair right um you know Don't overlook things like that, that that is, you know, tuning the voices out, spending some quiet time. We're so inundated with distractions and technology and all of the things. A lot of people I know that are close to me can't sit in a chair for five minutes without creating a distraction for themselves. Um, I think that that is probably one of the most valuable things you can do is literally sit in silence. And I do that often. Um, so like, it, it doesn't have to look like some, some grand thing, you know, um, stretching, you know, I mentioned my back problems, like stretching is a big thing for me. I I need to do that, uh, multiple times throughout the week. I really should be doing it daily. Um, but that doesn't cost any money right you can sit on your floor and do that don't overlook things like that that is a piece of all this that is taking care of yourself um, and I'm not sure if I'm really answering your question you are Brandon 100%. so um but but yeah I mean what what my life looks like today is not what it's always looked like and you have to find what works for you but there's there's many options
1: yeah we, we've all heard the stories 80, 100. 100 plus hour weeks, you know, starting for x number of time, but you can still take 5 minutes. You can still sit, That's right. to, you can still stretch. There's it might be small uh quantitatively in terms of time, mm-hmm. it it might be small financially, maybe it's free, but don't just completely ignore yourself because then you you're going to start to spiral over time.
2: That's right. And you know, one thing that I do often, I I read a book called Do walk. And walking has become a big, a big thing for me and walking. I, walk I yeah, never I liked mean, to walk,
1: but now I walk with, with my well,
2: wife. And it's, um, it's a real therapeutic thing to do for yourself. And, you know, I mean, look, I was an athlete, so I'm like, well, I'm not going to go for a walk, right? Yeah, like, really I'm going to
1: be jogging
2: or, you know, bus getting a sweat on or something, but actually there is something really magical about walking and being out in nature. And, uh, when I go specifically go to Mexico, I have this walking path that I do every day and it's so peaceful. It's one of the things I look forward to most when I go there and even here in Columbus, you know, um, I've got some great walking paths along the water, even out in the woods. And I do that also as a way to take care of myself. And again, that, that doesn't cost anything. Yeah. Time It costs time.
1: Sure. Yeah, the walking. I think it's the I think I read somewhere it, it's basically the best exercise you can do for life longevity. is to consistently walk. Cuz it's not too hard yeah. on your joints it, and it's a very healthy thing to do every day.
2: Yeah, and for me, you know, walking like that, I I get a lot of clarity. It's like it gives it gets me it gets me moving at you know, at, at a pace that works well for where I'm at in life. Um, But it really allows me kind of some space from whatever it is that I'm doing. And it's a great time to get some clarity.
1: I love it. So let's quickly make sure that we hit this, what I said the episode was about. So when you started this, this company, No Drip Paint, was it called No Drip Painting in the beginning?
2: Well, I had a couple of different names and I don't know if you want to delve into that, but I ended up, I'll tell you quickly, I said I was a personal finance blogger. When I picked the name No Dirt Painting, I actually just picked it out to be a blog. I was just going to blog about painting. Oh, wow. and, and so I bought the domain and then years later, I was like, you know what? I got the domain No Dirt Painting. I'm going to go for that. So it kind of just happened. Um, sure. But now I actually like the name because it has a little bit of a ring to it. and People seem to remember it pretty well.
1: Yeah, that's a cool name. So the when you started, what did that look like? It, it sounds like it was you or you and a helper. What was your life like at that point?
2: Yeah, Um, I think I was probably scraping together quarters to buy gas. Um, You know, so you I were mean, living you know, the dream. I was living the dream, you know, yeah. completely, Brandon. I mean, listen, what's the I was entrepreneur's a, life? Yeah, you know, I was a single mom. I mean, you know, I know, you know, you're not. You try not to repeat the patterns of your parents. Um, but I actually did that. I, I had my daughter when I was 21 years old. I was on a basketball scholarship. I couldn't complete my scholarship because I became a mom. And, and I raised her really by myself with the help of my mom. Uh, and then this whole process of being, being a mother allowed me to figure out who, who I really was and gave me some direction in life. Um, but I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I was on uh, state supported insurance. There was a time when I, you know, got government assistance, you know, I mean, I was 22 years old, I was trying to finish college. When I had I was going to college, and I was taking a baby with me. Sometimes I had a professor that would let me bring her in her little carrier to his class. Um, so I mean, I didn't have any money I, I had student loans. And I lived with my mom for a period of time. Um, You know, and then and then that ended up changing. But yeah, I mean, when I started the business, again, it was because I just needed extra money. Right. So there was nothing glamorous about it. It was a lot of hard work. And I was willing to do it. And that's the one thing I'll say about myself is that I've always been a hard worker. And I know in some capacity that uh, has served me well.
1: Yeah. And then the this side hustle that you were were performing for extra money at what point was there was there something that happened that you said hey you know what i'm going to turn this into real business or did it just sort of morph on its own
2: well i mentioned how i was doing that work for a real estate investor and what would happen is i'd be in the house uh, of a house painting and he would say hey can you go ahead and put in a new toilet can you go ahead and put in a new floor and i was like oh my god I've got to learn from YouTube how I can put a toilet in because I was not going to say no. So lo and behold, I start putting in toilets. And honestly, what that did was it gave me some other opportunities. This particular real estate investor said, hey, I can tell you're a really hard worker. Do you want to start flipping houses with me? This, this kind of gets me out of the painting business for a moment, but I started flipping houses and I would do all the painting and I would try and do as much of the work as I possibly could. I ended up going to Columbus State, which is a community college here. And I got, I went through their electrical, their plumbing and their carpentry program because I was like, if I can do the work, it'll save me money and put my money in my pocket. So I kind of started doing that for a while and I was getting a little outside of painting and I realized that that's, that's a lot, right? Like doing all of these things. I slowly started to refocus on painting and just thought that I could do something with it. Although I didn't know quite what it was. So I ventured off into some of this remodeling stuff, came back to painting. And when I was getting good referrals, word of the mouth referrals, and getting really busy. I think that's when I discovered. You know what? If I can keep myself and someone else busy, I think I might be able to keep more people busy at this. Um, so I, I really did kind of fall into it in some capacity. But I also know I'm right where I'm supposed to be. So I fell into it, but I was supposed to fall into it.
1: Yeah, I think it goes back to your your idea of opera of basically trying a lot of different things in my life. I'm- yeah gone a lot of different ways with the career. And when you figure out something doesn't work or you don't want to continue on that path, it's really helpful to take a second, take more than a second, take a day, a week, however long it takes, and figure out what you did like about it and what you didn't like about it. And then drive toward the thing that you did like about it. Because usually a job, no matter how much you hate it, usually there is something you like and you can can learn about yourself. Through doing a whole host of different things. You can start to really figure out all the things that you like and then find an opportunity that aligns with that.
2: That's right, and you know, I think what what one of the first pieces of painting that really resonated with me and kind of struck me on a deeper side was that I could pay someone to work and they could take care of their family. That really felt special to me. And in the early stages, that's really what kind of kept me going was knowing that I could find enough work So that my guy, William, who was with me could take care of his family. And and I loved that.
1: So I have kind of a, a weird question for you, Michael, maybe, maybe like a little bit gross, but it has to do with replacing toilets. So I figured out how to replace toilets a while back. Our house flooded. I put the toilets back in Yeah, and there were a lot of cockroaches in the toilet Mm. flange. Is that a normal thing for cockroaches to be in there?
2: I'm not sure i'm not sure what that says about your toilet
1: it's concerning right
2: brandon but then um, i
1: talked with someone else and they said well they told me it's normal and they say yeah people flush a, a cockroach down the toilet and they think oh they killed the cockroach but then actually a lot of cockroaches will live in the pipes so you, you oh wow well i'll tell
2: you about full disclosure you know some of these area these these rentals that i was painting in were not in the best shape so I came across a lot of cockroaches. I don't specifically remember them being in the toilet flange, but I also don't like cockroaches. So I might've like blocked that out of my (laughs) memory banks.
1: Yeah, fair (laughs) enough. Okay. Now I just look like a weirdo, random question. All right, Um, cool. Michael, this has been incredible. I like all the different directions it's taken. As we wrap up this uh, first episode, is there anything else you'd like to add kind of more focused on the, the entry part of your journey, how people can really discover their passion, self-care in the beginning, really focused on the early stages.
2: Yeah. You know, I think the way I like to, to sign off is, is to really just give people hope, like things get difficult, man, they get so difficult. You second guess your own ability. I like to always say that you can't see what's coming around the corner. And I just believe Wholeheartedly, when you have the right intention and you're willing to work hard, if you can just stick it out, right? The part that most people can't do is when it gets hard, right? You stick it out, right? Like when I get in the ice bath and I start telling myself, what the heck are you doing this for? You stick it out. Uh, There is some sort of joy. And I believe success is on the other side of all of that difficult heartache. And so, my message would be. Like you can do it, you can do it, you can do it, you don't know what's coming around the corner, you stick it out and you've got the right intention, the right heart behind it. I think you've got success in your path.
1: And Michael, where can people find your podcast if they haven't yet listened to it?
2: Yeah, check out the Women in Paint podcast. It is on the PCA Overdrive. I'm also starting to stream it live on our Women in Paint Facebook page. And you can also reach out to me on Instagram, which is uh, Michael, M-I-C-H-A-L, 614. You can find me on Instagram.
1: Well, Well, thank you, Michael. I appreciate you. Really excited for the next few episodes. This one was awesome.
2: Thank you. I appreciate
1: the opportunity. If you want to learn more about the topics we discussed in this podcast and how you can use them to grow your painting business. Visit paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast for free training, as well as the ability to schedule a personalized strategy session for your painting company. Again, that URL is paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast. Hey there, painting company owners. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Give us your feedback. Let us know how we did. And also, if you're interested in taking your painting business to the next level, make sure you visit the Painter Marketing Pros website at PainterMarketingPros.com to learn more about our services. You can also reach out to me directly by emailing me at Brandon at PainterMarketingPros.com and I can give you personalized advice on growing your painting business. Until next time, keep growing!